0: My name is Gianni Russo, a.k.a. Carlo, the infamous son-in-law from The Godfather. I'm now known as The Hollywood Godfather, and this is my story. Before all of the winds in my portfolio, I was a little boy diagnosed with polio. Welcome, everybody, to everyone... Hollywood Godfather. And Pat and I are very proud to say this is recording of our 200th show. I can't yeah,
1: remember. I don't feel that old.
0: 200 hours dude where'd the Man. time go <laughs>
1: Not me i tell you you and i are just getting better looking as the years go by
0: well it's uh you know why our sight is going
1: at this go. <laughs> yeah, we're yeah.
0: thinking we're looking good
1: <laughs> uh, i don't know anyway right.
0: we well an interesting... set up the show pat
1: okay uh we have an interesting show today but but before we get to that uh we'd like to thank george who sent us an email last week about uh, an entertainer, a a singer, Tommy James. He had a group called Tommy James and the Shandells. They were huge back in the day. And it seems that uh, Tommy James wrote a book about his life in in music and his run-in with the mob. And, of course, that type of book fits right into our theme. So uh, George said, you know, I sure would like to see him uh, be interviewed on your show. And, George, your wish has come Mm -hmm. true. Uh, we got a hold of uh, of uh, Tommy, and uh, he will be on our show after the holidays. Uh, he said he'd like to be on before, but he's uh, he's uh, touring up until Christmas. So we're, we're going to give him a break for Christmas week, and uh, after New Year's, he will be on our show. We're looking forward to it, and thank you, George, for the idea. And once again, you guys have ideas about shows; uh, we'll do them if they're if they're doable. So keep them coming. Okay. Uh, as everybody probably knows, you know, you wouldn't be listening to the show unless you had some interest in the mob. Uh, the mob has rules. So the, 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 no, nothing's written down, of course. The mob, mob has rules, things you can do, things you can't do. And maybe we'll talk a little bit about that later. But uh, one of them is uh, people they can hurt. You know, they, they, the, the, the mafia is a hierarchical organization. It goes from bottom to top. The people on the bottom being the people on the bottom, soldiers, then a captain, so on and so forth, until you get to the top, which is the boss. And along the way, rules have been created because the, an organization of this size, thousands and thousands of people and families across the United States, you have to maintain some kind of order. And of course, the mob can't maintain order by enforcing their rules, by taking somebody to court, they kill them. Uh, so there are rules uh, we're going to talk about one of the rules about who you can whack and who you can't well let's say who you can't you cannot touch uh, a member of the press and you cannot touch a police officer or anybody in law enforcement those are the rules and to break the rules uh, you have to be uh, sanctioned by the heads of the five families which is called the commission that's never happened there's never been a put out a, a, hit put out on a police officer, a mem- member of law enforcement, and has never been a hit. Uh, a hit put out on a member of the press until there was. Uh, so we're going to talk about three cases. The first one being a reporter. Now, this was in the 1920s, and this was before organized crime became organized, basically, but they still had the rule. You don't touch it. Well, let,
0: let me ask you a question, though. With, uh, you're saying 1920s. So you're just talking about the press. You're not to kill.
1: No, I'm talking about the press now because there was right. plenty of cops killed. But the cops, you know, when I talk about killed, I'm talking about sanctioned hits where you lie in wait for somebody and blow them away. The cops that were killed in the 1920s during Prohibition was part of the war. The good right. guys get bad guys and people get hurt. But just a sanctioned hits, organized hits. Uh, but e- even back then, you stayed away from the press, and you ask yourself, "Well, why?" It's because the power of the press. You know, this is a secret organization. Uh, most people think so. Of course, there's the John Gotti's of the world who didn't. But a secret organization demands just that secrecy. And if you hurt somebody in the media, the rest of the media comes together and creates a stir that uh, brings to life politicians uh, who uh, don't want to seem weak, and they go after the mob. So it's 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 as simple as that. Uh, stay away from the press, we'll stay away from the heat, so to speak. So Jake Lingle, to give you some background, uh, was a Chicago reporter, and I use that term loosely, and we'll see why in a minute. He was born in eighteen ninety one uh, so this was uh, you know during the the the, the uh the twenties he was in his thirties uh late thirties, early forties, and uh, he specialized in coverage of the mob, and he was a very popular reporter. Now, I can't
0: believe the Chicago Tribune was started that early in life. I, knew oh, the Chicago, well, I still they, know the Chicago Tribune.
1: Well, think about it. And history, that, all it's on, if they started back then and they were around before Prohibition, this paper's over 100 years old, as is the Post and the Daily News. I mean, these are old papers. You know, new papers can't crop up. The competition is just too severe. If anything, uh, you're going to see the demise of printed news probably within the next five years. Most everything is online now. And even the papers that put out a printed edition have an online version and it's slowly going that that way. But in in its heyday, the press was extremely powerful. And to hurt a reporter was a death knell for whoever did it and the family that they worked for. There'd be too much pressure. So along comes Jake Lingle, who in uh, June 1930 was allegedly minding his own business, uh, walking through the uh, Illinois Central Randolph Street subway station on his way to take a train to a racetrack. He uh, liked to bet the ponies, and that's where he was going. Two men came up behind him and cut him down. And the world went crazy. It was just, they're still talking about this case today. Uh, He was shot twice in the back of the head, and he was killed. And the press went nuts, which is just the reason why a reporter was never killed. And they demanded justice for this reporter. And then his reputation started to come out. Uh, he wasn't. Well, they, the,
0: they offered you should let the at that time. They offered a reward of twenty five thousand dollars. That's like a, a small fortune during
1: that. Well, time. You, you're right because in in today's money, uh, well, they. Uh, I, I'm not getting to the reward, but oh, your twenty five thousand dollar reward, which today is a million dollars. So they're offering a million dollars. This is the power of the press. Actually, then politicians got involved, as we talked. You know, we just talked about. But then the real Jake Lingle starts to emerge. His reputation, his lifestyle, and it turns out he was a reporter that everybody read. They hung on it because of the times. You know, Chicago was run by the mob. There was a story, if not more than one story, every day about Capone. Jake Lingle never wrote a story in his life. He didn't know how to compose a story he got information from his numerous informants and he phoned it into the city editor he dictated it. he just told him what the story was about and the city editor would write the story for him
0: oh well, that's wild.
1: yeah well that couldn't happen now what you use a, a city editor for uh edit
0: not to yeah it's exactly
1: not, that you edit, they edit story. Story, yeah. if it's something ongoing the reporter will dictate the story over the phone as he had already written it in whatever venue he's in, he's in court, wherever he is. And then the editor edits, but this guy couldn't write. And uh, the editor wrote the story for him. So now the word is starting to get out on who Jake Lingle was and what he did. So here's a reporter that everybody loved because he was the champion himself against the mob. Actually, he favored the people that that were paying him. You know, he would say things about, one group and not about the other, he wouldn't extol the virtues of another group because these guys were gangsters, but he would leave them alone. And he was known to have worked with, uh, with Capone. But prior to that, people started to look into his background. So he's making $65 a week, which in today's money is uh, about $1,000 a week, which for a reporter uh, is pretty high, but he's Jake Lingle. Yep. And he was getting good stories from his good informants. Uh, but he, it was hard to explain at making $65 a week, how he had $65,000, uh, in the bank and $65,000 in today's money is $982,000. Yeah. This guy really knows how to and play money.
0: and play in the ponies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: and the pon- he was, he was a degenerate gambler. Yeah. Uh, and you know what that means. Yeah. These guys don't win. In fact, they don't want to win. You know? but you
0: know the interesting thing it's about we're talking about those kind of guys even jay go hoover and i know this firsthand jay go hoover he um costello took all his bets we yeah. know, when he won he paid when he lost he never collected that's why jay <laughs> never said anything about costello
1: or the mob well he was, was, he, was it was the John. law enforcement's jake lingle i uh-huh. mean you know, exactly he, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, but Hoover—not to stray from this—and we'll go back right away. But uh, Hoover was seen many times sitting down with Costello at a table in the Copa.
0: I know. No, he was no, the no, head she, of the FBI, not a, not a news article.
1: Yeah, guy. this, I mean, this guy know. wasn't a cop on the beat. He ran the foremost law enforcement agency in the world, and 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 he's uh, breaking bread with uh, with Frank Costello. Nobody says anything about
0: it. That's when I met him. I was a kid.
1: Yeah, watching this stuff.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: Uh, So uh, to find the killer, uh, you know what I what I compared this to and I'm wondering now that they're trying to get the real Jake Lingle's uh, lifestyle out of the open to discredit him so they uh, so the cops don't go after the mob for this killing. Now, this reminds me of In the Godfather, Captain McCluskey. Same thing when uh, when uh, Michael Corleone kills him and Salazzo in an Italian restaurant in the Bronx, there's an immediate uproar, uh just like here, uh, with Jake Lingle. And uh and once the mob started to put out what McCluskey was really like, he was a cop on the take. Then it vanishes off the front page and eventually uh people realize that he was in the mob's pocket and now he's not the hero cop that he was made out to be. And Michael mm-hmm. eventually comes back to the United States.
0: Well just ha- just him being
1: at Louis Dinner with Sollozzo, Michael, what are you doing there? Well, but, you know, there was no social media back then. There was no computers back then. The People believe what they read in the paper. So if they say uh, a police captain was gunned down, they leave out the other stuff, you know, about who he was with. And it's, it's the, the, the news wasn't, uh, there was no, no truth in the news. So they ruined McCloskey's reputation and justifiably so because that's what he was doing. And they did the same thing with Jake Lingle. The mob put out the word. What this guy was doing, he was taking from a lot of people. You don't want to see your name in print. This is what it's going to cost you, basically. So, still, the, the, the uh, Chicago Tribune uh, had to do something uh, because that's where Jake Lingle works. So they put out a twenty-five thousand dollar reward, and once again, that's a lot of money. And uh, a year later, or six months later, uh, the police received a tip. Uh, we, to this day, nobody knows who tipped them. That a man by the name of uh, of Leo Vincent Brothers from St. Louis was the guy who did the hit. Now, if you recall, I said there were two guys that were following him. Nobody ever mentions the second guy. Now, it's just this guy uh, uh, Brothers who takes the uh, uh, who takes the arrest. Uh, he denied his involvement, but he didn't deny it. Uh, that vociferously. I mean, said, I didn't do it. That was the end of it. There was a deal worked here because first degree cold blooded murder. He gets fourteen years. <laughs> he gets out in eight. I, I mean, th- there are people who do more for assault or gambling. You oh, wow. know forget about it. Yeah. So he kept his mouth shut. He just said he didn't do it, and then he did his eight years, and he then and, and he and he got out. Uh, so, it, to this day, you no. Know, everybody, the historians look back on this and say this guy, brothers, didn't do it. He was uh, set up, and he agreed to the setup. Uh, he they already told me, look, you can do. You know, there's a saying in in the life, I can do five years standing on my head. I can do ten years standing on my head, and they could because this was part of the life you expect.
0: To well, be let's explain that even to our audiences because a lot of people not knowing that life. Why they would cooperate and do it? Getting into organized crime, you knew sometime you may have to be called. Like even bookmakers did six months; they had to give arrest to, especially during an election year. But it was before Robert Kennedy introduced the RICO and actually used it. Before you can go to do 10 years, your wife stays still in the house that was illegitimate, still had all the money in the bank accounts. And they
1: started started giving these draconian jail sentences. You know, you get 100 years. Chances are you're not getting out, you know. But back then, money talk. Capone, you have to understand Capone. He was probably the guy who put out the word, who made the agreement with this guy, uh, uh, Brothers. You're going to take the bust. Uh, You're going to get 14 years. but All the judges were paid. You can't understand the way Chicago was. And up until fairly recently, remained very corrupt. Uh, We we got the judges in our pocket. They can't let you walk. You're going to get 14 years. You're only going to do eight. And we're going to give you X amount of dollars. See you when you get out. And it shut everything up. Uh, But since then, there's uh, there's Mm. never been another reporter killed. There's been, uh, you know, cops killed, but once again, always in the line of duty.
0: That to me was when I, until we investigated this this opportunity, I never realized how many cops were killed because I always heard the c- cops like a taboo, can't touch them.
1: Well, if it's in the, uh, in the line of duty in a gun battle, well, hundreds Oh Well, yeah,
0: but I'm talking about delivery shot down. I'm not, yeah, if you're oh, shot yeah. down in a gun battle, it's in a gun battle. But I'm talking yeah. about these guys were taken out.
1: Yeah, so funny you should bring that up because oh, we, we oh, have oh, two oh. cases. Actually, I, I found three, but we'll just talk about two because you know, we're going to run out of time, and, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But these <laughs> are the two most interesting. In 1986, which in the the world of history, you know, historians speak about history. This is Mm -hmm. not history. This is recent history. Right. Uh, January 21st, 1986, two undercover detectives assigned to the NYPD, Organized Crime Control Bureau, which we refer to as OCCB, uh, were uh, tasked with following around uh, uh, and investigating illegal gambling.
0: And, I remember this well.
1: Yeah, well, this case there was never this case never really came to fruition as as we'll see. Those of you who aren't aware of it, so there were two detectives, Anthony uh, Venditti, and uh, a lot of uh, uh, reporters referred to her as Karen Burke. Her name was Kathy. I knew her. Okay. uh well, the Kathy, why,
0: why they did that, Kathy Burke. And you may want to check the record. Kathy Burke is Jimmy Burke's daughter. Yeah. No, I, yeah. So I think a lot of people went to Karen because he told them, Oh, he's crazy. That's my daughter's name. No, Kathy I, Burke, you know, I knew well. I dated her. Yeah, well, well we I'm just saying. That's <laughs> yeah. talking about people picking up a phone and saying, Change the name to Karen. Everybody's calling my daughter thinking she got arrested. She's, well, you know, to, to be
1: fair, there were a lot of publications that did call her Kathy. But just some, some called the Karen. It could have been the, the reason you just said, or a lot of reasons. But this case was so pronounced. It was in the press for so long. It didn't take long to realize that this woman's name is Kathy Burke. Anyway,
0: right?
1: he gets shot in the head. Uh, Anthony Vendetti, Detective Vendetti, gets shot numerous times, three times in the chest and once in the head. Uh, Kathy Burke gets hit a couple of times. She goes down. There's a gun battle on the street. And uh, these two guys, the people that are involved, in these, uh, in these, in the shooting uh, with one that resulted in death, uh, were, were uh, mob guys, I believe, uh, Genovese people. Uh, it was a guy by the name of uh, Giovanelli. He was followed by Burke and Venditti to a uh, a diner, a location on, on Myrtle Avenue or Saint Nicholas Avenues. Those who aren't f- familiar with with uh, with uh, Brooklyn or Queens. Those of you who live wherever you live, this is right on the border of Brooklyn and Queens, and uh, it's a nice neighborhood. Uh, it's a it's a residential neighborhood. Back then, mostly Italian. So uh, Venditti uh, walked into what was that Castillo's Castillo's Diner, which I I recall very well. It's not that anymore. Uh, and upon exiting, he, w- he walked in to see who Giovanelli was sitting with. He was with two people. So upon seeing this, Vendetti walks out of the place to report to Kathy because two of them couldn't walk in there. They would have been made. And uh, Giovanelli and his two associates follow Venditti out, shove him against a wall. Burke, who's outside, sees this, exits the vehicle where she was told to stay by a radio and uh, went to his aid uh, while letting out a warning, which comes into play later because because these people had a defense that they didn't know that these individuals were cops. They thought it was a hit. Yeah, a hit woman and a hit man. I mean, ridiculous. But they have to say something. So a couple of seconds later, in the midst of all this turmoil, the suspects pull out guns. They open fire at the two detectives. And as I said, the detectives are both hit. Burke was critically injured. Uh, Vendetti couldn't be saved. So Giovanelli, along with Stephen Maltese and Carmine Qualtieri, with the other two people, uh, uh, Maltese and uh, Gualtieri, that were in the diner, who were arrested shortly after the shooting. And everybody thought, well, this is a slam dunk. I mean, many, all kinds of witnesses. So the first trial against the three men ended in a hung jury. Uh, in fact, one of the jurors was later charged with and convicted of uh, perjury for lying when questioned under oath that a member of his family hadn't been arrested or participated in a criminal proceeding. So that jury shouldn't have been on the, the, the jury because perhaps he could have been prejudiced against cops because a family member uh, took a couple of busts. So the second trial after a a, uh, a hung jury, uh, the, the second trial ended in uh, controversy and a lot of anger. Uh, in 1988, uh, Gutierrez was acquitted of the charges against him on April 20th. But two days later, jurors considering the charges against Giovanelli and Maltese, told the presiding judge that they were hopelessly deadlocked.
0: Now, let, uh, let our audience remember, this is two years after the hit.
1: Yeah, well, <laughs> and, and Gianni's right, because a police killing requires and gets instant justice. If the cops don't do it on the street themselves, uh, the, 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 they're brought to trial immediately because the, the communities are calling for it, at least back then. yeah, you know, There was a, a, a cop shot. Communities went nuts. These people have to be uh, tried, convicted, and back then the... Uh, oh,
0: yeah, get, uh, him. You, we see, get him. Most of us see this on television now. They say, go get him. Yeah. Well, you know, it's ironic because Anthony Venditti is the cousin to Danny Venditti, who was my drummer for 20 years. So I heard about this all day long.
1: Well, I tell you, six degrees of separation from Gianni Russo, man. <laughs> it's
0: like, crazy. Danny really. Venditti played... and Danny Venditti, I know, all my life. And then when, you know, I put my band together, you know, but yeah, yeah, I knew him. I knew he was a drummer. I, he was with me until he got diabetes till four or five years ago. Up until four or five years ago. Well, he knew all about this case and the funeral and the family. And they're all sitting uh, in every courtroom.
1: They went to every three trials. Every cop. I recall the funeral. I mean, I attended so many funerals, but the Venditti's stood out. Uh because uh, of the circumstances that justice couldn 't be served, every cop in the NYPD they left a very skeleton crew in every precinct, like one sector in every precinct, just to cover the precinct because you know crime goes on. Right. there were thousands and thousands of cops, and from other police departments, there were thousands and thousands of cops they came from europe from, they were trying to put the pressure on, but it didn 't work I remember I remember Irish cops were there, and British bobbies were there. This was a huge friggin funeral anyway.
0: And Ray Kelly, Ray Kelly was the commissioner at that time. So, you know, he's squeaky clean. I know Ray personally. Oh, yeah. yeah. He, you know, nobody was on the take here. I no, don't Ray know Kelly,
1: he pulled this one on. Ray, Ray Kelly was, was my judge. Ray Kelly was my, no, they could, this is goes to a jury. Now, this is They were trying to convict these people with the evidence, but uh, we'll get into that shortly. But Ray Kelly, you know, we talk about Ray Kelly. He was my sergeant. Oh, wow. And I was in the 23rd precinct. Which is for people who don't know, it's like the Upper East Side, it's c- commonly called Spanish Harlem. Uh, but yeah, Rick, Rick Kelly was my boss. Uh, nice guy, good cop, obviously. Oh my yeah. God! Yeah. Sweet. Anyway, the the, the jury re- was reported deadlocked against these two guys, hopelessly deadlocked with all this evidence. I can't for, believe this. But here is how they were it almost... There is twelve people on the jury. There were eight to four for acquittal uh, of murder and gun charges. Uh, on uh, and, and seven to five for a, a acquittal of Giovanelli on an aggravated assault count. So they were looking to acquit these guys. I mean, that's the way the jury was leaning, but they couldn't convince the other people that wanted to convict. So it was a, it was a hung jury. The, the turning point uh, occurred when uh, a, a witness to the shooting recanted statements he had made to the police that he witnessed Gualtieri shoot Venditti in the head. The witness further claimed that police pressured him into picking Gualtieri from a lineup and uh, prosecutors charged that the witness had been intimidated into changing his testimony. So now what you have here is a seed of doubt. Maybe the police browbeat this witness into saying something and witnessing something he really didn't witness. So the, that's the results of what happens in a jury room. You're dealing with a jury of your peers that they, they don't know the street. They don't know crime. They don't know criminal law. But our Constitution says you're tried by a jury of your peers, and it's the way it should be. So it's, it's always been. It's not a perfect system, but, you know, name me one is better. But they listen to this stuff, and they say, well, gee, you think maybe the cops talked this guy in, into saying that he witnessed this crime when he didn't? Once again, we can we can uh, uh, make reference to the O.J. Simpson trial.
0: Well, you can uh, make reference just to watch television shows. They're well, always that, saying that.
1: And that there's also too much publicity theory. already in this stuff. You know, TV crime, crime dramas, uh, uh, people are influenced immediately. I mean, I, I have been a, a cop for many, many years. I retired in 88. Uh, but the police that I still uh, am, am friendly with, they say at a trial, if you don't have DNA, because they are watching too many episodes of CSI, How they're long? looking for DNA evidence. And if you don't have the DNA, you've got a, a war on your hands, a battle to convict. I don't care how many witnesses you have, what other kind of evidence you have. The jurors want mm. to see DNA, whether they have it or not. They don't have DNA. Why don't they have DNA? This is why it's difficult to convict people, because people expect too much. You know, uh, so anyway, uh that was going against the prosecution. Uh, two weeks later, the Ridgewood Times, which is a local paper, uh, reported that uh, the then district attorney, and you must know this guy, uh, he was infamous and famous. Uh, Chris Cantucci. Yeah, I didn't know his
0: name. This right?
1: was the guy. <laughs> this was the guy who was caught having a nine-hour lunch. <laughs> uh, a nine-hour lunch with a bunch of wise guys on Woodhaven Boulevard. I forget the name of the restaurant, but it was owned by one of the wise guys. And his his claim was, I only went to lunch until somebody found out that it was a nine-hour lunch. Yeah. I mean, he must have left there stuffed, you know, but anyway.
0: <laughs> stuffed in a lot of ways. I'm yeah. lot of food.
1: <laughs> well, this was fortunately, well, unfortunately or whatever, this was after this uh, Venditti trial, but Santucci, because of that lunch, and I use the term loosely, uh, he wasn't, uh, and this was in the early nineties, he was gone and then in, in, in the next election, but, uh, but he announced his decision to retry Giovanni uh, and Maltese for Venditti's murder. His decision came after a meeting with Venditti's family. You know, uh, it, it's, it's heartbreaking when you, you have to talk to a family and say, you know your husband was shot down in cold blood in front of witnesses. And we've had two trials so far. Uh, and they, you know, Santucci didn't ask him what you want to do. It was, it was politically correct to try these cop killers. All right. Alleged cop killers. Uh, but, uh, everybody gets acquitted. Bottom line is no one went to prison for this. Uh, these, these guys, uh, uh Giovanelli died in the last couple of years. I don't know where the other guys are. Giovanelli, uh, went to jail for something else, not related to this. And everybody in the life does some kind of time, but nobody did time for this. And I know for one, uh, Kathy Burke, who's long since retired is extremely bitter what she had to go through from the job saying you didn't save your partner's life when she did an exemplary job. Uh, but that was the, uh, that that was the temperature back then, you know, women on the job, cops didn't want them. women just came onto the street uh, in the early eighties. And there weren't very many. They were looking for volunteers at first. Uh, and I don't know when they started sending women out the street after the academy, but back then they were looking for volunteers. They may have been sending them out on the street, when this killing happened. But you're, there's 15% of the job now is female. Back then, I'm guessing two or three. And most of these old school hardliners did not want women on the street. And they saw a perfect target, pardon the term, seeing what we're discussing, into uh, tearing Kathy Burke's story apart and calling her a coward.
0: Well, she, she must did. have had a tough time anyway. She
1: did. She had a terrible time.
0: Well, her uh, father, I mean, uh, her assumed father, was Jimmy Burke?
1: <laughs> no, no.
0: he did the biggest Lufthansa. Her I know, but that, that wasn't.
1: She came. She, she I came know from that. Me. No, I know, but the same. But
0: having the same name of his daughter, that had to create a it, lot. Of-
1: you know, it, it wasn't that. It was what the male cops were saying. You know, people don't know Oh, you mean women.
0: the people on the job in the locker rooms, yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, that saying if she uh, had a
0: guy on the job with her, he would have been there and you'd be there alive today.
1: And even talking to the press and, and not being shy about it. This this police woman, you know, she let this she let her partner die. And the press picks it up, people believe. It. You
0: know, and I feel very yeah, bad. I can for her. understand it, but but if we just put ourselves in the mindset of of, of a, a veteran cop male against a woman new cop she's in a, a shootout yeah you know it's been psychologically proved women don't take to violence too well well I, I mean we, you know psychologically i've I heard and seen it
1: women are not as violent as men for the most part i mean we see a lot of, i mean we read the, the press and watch television every day. but most of the people in jail for violent crimes are men so uh, th- this was something new, and it was it was a pity. That said, let's make some money.
0: Okay, we'll be right back. And don't go nowhere. We know where you live.
1: Oh, yeah, we're going to find you, man, if you don't come back. All right. I'm now known as the Hollywood Godfather, and this is my story.
0: I'm happy to say Hollywood Godfather rapography is now playing on most platforms Apple Music, Spotify Amazon music. Listen, music. Listen music. Listen music listen to Joel Ortiz famous rapper and Arsenic the Heat record, multi-platinum producer for Sony Produce this record, I'm proud of it There's 12 tracks cool, You gotta listen you to this You never know who you're lying in a room with. So I broke a broomstick in half and let it groove with the concrete in the bathroom floor. It had a new tip, stashed it behind a toilet in case I ever had to
1: use it. All right, we're back. Okay, so let's
0: you know funny though. I want to just say one thing where I was going with that before we went on a commercial break. I just came back from a uh autograph signing convention. And I did I did the same convention last year in uh, Passippany, New, uh, New Jersey. And it's called um, Thriller. And I'm sitting at my table with a, 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 a young lady who's never witnessed crime like you and I have. Even myself, I've been shot, stabbed. <laughs> and the security guard, who is supposed to be watching us, sees a 14-year-old kid steal a cell phone. So he goes after the guy right in front of us. The kid turns around and stabs him almost to death. He, He punctured his liver. This guy's been on the job. He was doing security work just to get extra money. I hope they, the girl, the girl they, next to me, almost fainted. She'd never seen crime like this. That's what was fresh in my mind what we were just talking about. How did did Kathy they? Burke.
1: They they got the guy on the scene, right? I mean, they, and immediately. And how how did the uh, how did the security guard fare?
0: They took him out. He's still in critical condition. I checked on this with, with you know I check all the time. It's only wow. three
1: weeks ago. I tell you, you know, p- people uh, talk about being shot and stabbed. I'd, I'd much rather be shot. Oh, my God. Yeah. Now, there's no I, unhesitatingly. I'd much rather be shot. This. I've been stabbed. I've been stabbed in the eye and uh, elsewhere. Uh, you, you don't want to be stabbed. It's, it's horrible. First of all, it's it's up close and personal. Oh, that's, yeah. That's one thing. And I don't care how tough you think you are. When somebody is on top of you with a knife, it's uh, it's It's upsetting.
0: Well, I was, you know, my, my situation, not to bring it up, but Lorenzo Morales in my club, October 28th, 1989, the guy went for my juggler. Thank God I was agile enough to go back and avoid it. But he cut me along my my chin. Now, anybody's ever cut themselves, male or female, shaving. I got 81 stitches. That's a big cut.
1: Well, Eddie,
0: I, would, I would rather be shot myself, too. Yeah.
1: Any any skin that's on bone, I mean, bleeds profusely. Oh, I know. Uh, and besides that, when when you get slashed, coming from somebody who has been on a few occasions, you don't feel anything, right? Until you do, until then you're numb, <laughs> and then you know your I fingers
0: mean, your fingers are, dingling. <laughs>
1: oh, are tingling. Oh, it's a horrible thing. There was a not to sway too far from the from the subject, but there was an experiment a couple of years ago that's on YouTube. Those of you want to want to see it. Uh, where uh, it was, it, it was a, a, a setup. It was an experiment: a guy with a knife versus a guy with a gun, and they were twenty-seven feet apart. And uh, the cop's gun is in his holster, and the guy's uh, knife is in his in his waistband. It was a fixed blade; didn't have to open it. And when the bell went off, the guy with the knife charged the guy with with the gun. The guy with the gun did not have a chance: twenty-seven feet wow why uh, so uh, you can't and you know people underestimate distance and knives the guy with a knife in 27 feet can be on you i think it was 1.4 seconds why oh, I the guy just simply his gut on him. how about it he didn't have a chance he didn't have a chance to get it out point it and shoot the 27 guy
0: was on seconds
1: yeah and it just wasn't one try they did it many times this was a legitimate scientific experiment wow. and you'll see the video uh on YouTube, if you can find it, I don't know what you put in 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 the search engine, but uh, yeah, guns are much worse than knives. Okay, uh, amazing. Uh, Detective Venditti, I hope you're resting in peace. Yeah. Now we get to something a little different. Uh, it was a, uh, an NYPD officer by the name of Ralph Dolls, D-O-L-S. In Case anybody's following along here, he made the mistake of marrying the ex-wife of a mob guy. Uh, and naturally, this is radio, for lack of a better term. And you can't see the wife. I don't know, Johnny, if, if you if you looked at her, a real blonde bombshell, you know, real statuesque blonde. Right. But she's divorced. She divorces the guy. And and it wasn't, you know, she got divorced Tuesday and married the cop on Wednesday. This is a respectable amount of time in between. But the, the guy, his name was Cacese, C-A-C-E-S-E, that's how I pronounce it. Uh, Ocasice was the ex husband and was incensed that uh, this was well,
0: alive. He, he it was a divorce, not he didn't die and she married a new guy.
1: No, no, divorce, regular divorce. Why, and like for the rest of her life, maybe she couldn't get married. But the the worst crime was she married a cop. Hello, okay. So we got this guy, Ralph Dahls, who uh was a good cop, uh, b- bodybuilder. Uh, marries this woman. Everything's going fine. He's on his way home. He lived in Westchester County. He's upstate in New York. And two guys pull alongside of him uh, as he's getting out of the car. And they get out of the car. And he didn't know what was going on. His last words were, hey, what's up? And they shot him numerous times and killed him. Wow. Two hit hit men on the orders of uh, this guy, this woman's ex-husband. Now, was he fun- a major,
0: major guy in, in the mob and what family do you know? Uh
1: no, they don't they don't mention the family. Uh no, he was he was a soldier. He wasn't a, he wasn't a I don't think he was a boss. He was not a captain.
0: Okay, okay. Uh,
1: uh No. Anyway, two guys, uh a guy named Saracino and uh, Thomas Tommy uh Shots Gielli. G I O E L I. Uh, were being prosecuted for uh, 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 murder, murder and, uh, and racketeering, yeah. racketeering. A guy named C- uh, C- uh, Calabro, who was involved uh, in the uh, in, in the shooting, his excuse was that when Casses gave him the order, he never told him he was a cop. That it was just that's in an fact, excuse. <laughs> they invented a they, they invented that? A backstory that this guy uh, worked in a bodega. He was a Hispanic guy. And he did something wrong, whatever it was, stole, insulted somebody, whatever it was, a legitimate in their world, a legitimate reason to kill somebody. So now the next day he wakes up and finds out that he shot a cop and he's eventually arrested and he flips. He said, I'm not, I'm not going down for this. I didn't know it was a cop. So people might ask themselves, What the hell is the difference? You have a dead guy. Well, there is a difference.
0: <laughs> there is a big difference.
1: <laughs> well, there's a big difference in the law, not the fact that a cop is dead. Forget oh, yeah, that. no, no. It's it, the law itself. If you if the premeditated the uh, uh, murder uh, in, in uh, New York, as this was, you kill a civilian, the premeditated murder of a civilian, is second degree murder, punishable by 25 years of life. First degree murder is the same thing, but different categories. If you kill uh, on contract, if you kill a witness, if you kill uh, more than uh, uh, more than two people. Or if you kill a police officer, it's first degree murder, which at the time got you the electric chair. There was no gas chamber in New York. They fried you. So this guy, uh, uh, Calabro, he's not going for this. And he flips immediately. And he said that uh, I I wasn't told. And uh, they organized it very well. For those of you who don't know how a, a killing is organized, it's just like following somebody around. And, gee, this looks like a nice spot. These killings are carefully planned. Because if they don't get away with it, they're looking at the the life in prison or at least uh, hefty time. You know, you you weren't going to do, as we spoke in the the first segment, you're not going to do brother's time, get eight years. You go away for a minimum of 25. So the kill car has the two shooters. Then there's always a crash car. If there's uh, bad luck, the police are involved in as a chase. The crash car crashes into the pursuing police car. And they uh, and. Uh, a few miles away, there's what's known as a clean car. They ditch the car that they used for the killing, which is always stolen. They go to where the clean car is. They jump in the clean car and they take off. That's the plan. And he laid all this out. And uh, he said he had no idea he was a cop. Tommy told him uh, that it was his boss. Told him that he uh, Doles was a Mexican that worked in a Queens uh, social club. And uh, he did something wrong. They didn't go into it in all the research I did. Uh, and uh, I understand Calabro says we don't kill police officers. And we don't. <laughs> uh, they don't. Because once again, the heat. And it's all about business. It's not that they don't want to keep, uh, kill cops because they're nice guys and they're defending.
0: But he was uh, from the Colombo family, this
1: guy. Was, oh, oh Colombo? Yeah. Okay. Uh, anyway, uh so, Calabro felt he got screwed and he's going to testify, uh, and he did. So, uh, Calabro uh, uh, also testified uh, how Tommy Schatz, who was uh, uh, a guy who feared he was going to hell because in, in his past life he, he killed a nun uh, during a mob. <laughs> we figured that these guys. <laughs> are very religious, you know. Yeah. And I, as I was growing up and I grew up around them, I always wondered, I and mean, these guys are whacking people left and right, or if they're not, they're breaking crimes, committing felonies. How come they're so religious? They're looking for a pass when the day comes. That's the, what do you think, Johnny?
0: I don't, I have no idea. I mean, no, I mean, you're killing a nun or a, a priest. I couldn't even bring myself to it. Is well, uh,
1: funny. <laughs> well, there's a famous case in the, the Upper East Side where, uh, Uh, two guys uh, broke into a church, raped a nun, and carved a crucifix into her body.
0: Well, I don't know about
1: that, but 1986. I
0: mean, so... I know They they had to be psychopaths to begin with, and see you later.
1: Well, uh, nuns, the the moral of the story is, people of the cloth are more fair game than cops. They sooner kill a nun than kill a cop. They they just don't do it because it hurts business. Okay, so... uh, there's a two-week trial, Uh uh w- w- which is uh, alleged. Prosecutors allege that uh, Joe Cassess ordered the murder because he was jealous that the office of Ralph uh, uh, Dolls, married his wife, so jealous that he ignored a long-time mafia code that prohibits members uh of the law from being killed. So the government's case relied on the testimony of two confessed killers, Calabro and the, the other, uh, the guy who was driving the getaway car, who said they ambushed Officer Dolls outside his home with gunfire on an order from Cassess. Uh, delivered through uh, the Colombo chain of command. So they never got it personally. So the lawyers for, uh, for Cassette argued uh, throughout the trial that the witnesses, uh, Calabro and uh, uh, Compatiello, were pathological liars, or what else are you going to say, who implicated uh, Mr. Cassess to getting leniency from prosecutors in their own cases, which could happen. Uh, he just pleaded uh, guilty to uh, killing multiple people In the 1990s, and they face life in prison, if prosecutors do not successfully intervene on their behalf. So they were looking at going away forever, and that's why they said they got orders to kill this particular individual without knowing they were a cop. If you don't know they're a cop, the death penalty is off the table, uh, a a longer uh, uh, prison sentence is off the table, and worst case scenario, you get out in 25 years, best case scenario, maybe sooner. Even there's been cases where uh, detectives in civilian clothes in the course of making an arrest get into a gunfight uh, with uh, whoever they're trying to arrest. The guy, uh, the detective gets killed and the the criminals say he didn't identify himself as a cop. This is important for their... Oh uh, yeah, dep- oh, definitely. It's a question of are they believed. Of course, the first thing we're, we're taught in the academy, literally the first thing we're taught in the academy, is yep. to scream at the top of our lungs. Yep. Police don't move. You can hear it on the next block. So, I mean that that excuse uh that excuse doesn't uh always work. Anyway, throughout the trial, uh Cassess, they said, was a picture of nonchalance. He had his hair in a ponytail, which I sort of thought odd for a for a made guy. And you know, a casual uh, uh shirts and relaxed. Uh and currently, by the way, he's serving another, he's serving a 20-year sentence for another murder, another mob murder. He was found not guilty now the the level of law is beyond a reasonable doubt exactly so they may have believed but he was adamant you know it's all about acting here too if you can convince even one juror out of 12 and they believe you the least you have is a hung uh, a hung jury the best you have is him convincing everybody else because if you don't move if you don't budge and you're in a uh, tied up in jury duty, maybe sequestered from your family for weeks or months at a time. Then I hell with it. Not guilty. I want to go home.
0: Yeah, no, uh, I, and that's that's, I'm, I'm sure that's been a deciding moment for a lot of people. <laughs> Not whether it's right or wrong, but I want to get out of here. Where, where's this going? I guess we're here another month.
1: It's, you know, it's just, it's, it, you know, his lawyer, uh, uh, a consistent lawyer, the name was Susan Kelman, uh, wasn't familiar with the name.
0: Oh, she's big. Uh,
1: is she? I'm not familiar yeah, with her. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, in her closing to the jury, and I'm quoting here, reading from it, the government tells you to listen to these people, meaning the the two hitters. Joel Cassette had no idea these lunatics, and she used that word, mm-hmm. were out there killing. So you have a choice. You know, this is a battle of the lawyers now, basically. Yeah. Who, who does the best closing argument? And I believe this because in, during the closing arguments of the O.J. Simpson trial, uh, the, uh, the uh, uh, prosecutor who closed, uh, Christopher Darden, I don't know how remember his yeah, name. Yeah. Uh, the the woman be prosecutor. better than the girl, though. Jesus. But the, woman, the woman DA prosecuted the case, but he did the closing. The thinking being, being political now. He's Black and a lot of Blacks on the jury. So let's, they play politics. So, uh, uh, Chris Darden, the first words out of his mouth was, I know this is going to be a very difficult case for you to decide. How silly. He, he should did. never have said that. And to this day, he planted the seed. he planted the seed. He, to this day, I've seen him on talk shows over the years. And he, he relives this. And you can see this guy is in tremendous pain psychologically. I never should have said that because now the jurors who haven't seen it, this jury was sequestered. So the jury who hasn't seen their family for months now says, Hey, if it's hard for him to figure out who are we, we're civilians. And they go home with a clean conscience because the DA told them that's, it's too difficult. And you're using beyond a reasonable doubt. The DA created the reasonable doubt.
0: Yep. Well, that's, that's their duty. I mean, that's what their job, that's what they are getting paid for. Like you said, that's why you go for the the big bucks attorneys who have won so many cases. And even the jurors know them that they won these cases, right? you know, it's so funny how much they know. And even though they're sequestered sometimes and sometimes they're not, these guys are shooting their mouth off on the, on the steps of the court.
1: Yeah. In a, in an organized crime case, uh, the juries are sequestered for obvious reasons because they try to reach the jury. But now you got you have that now and uh and you also have people wanting to write books. People want to be on big cases. They want to be sequestered. Oh, <laughs> you know yeah. they and if they aren't writers themselves, uh, they're going to get besieged by writers who want to write their stories. They're talking big money. You know, Gianni, you and I ought to write a book someday. I think we should maybe a couple yeah let's do that.
0: Yeah. Okay. And talking about that we got to let you know our book is out. You know the sixth yeah. family is out, so there's no reason that you don't make it a Christmas gift. Or uh, and if you even want to personalize, get in touch with Pat. We'll sign them. Yeah, we'll do it. We have a whole month, a whole month, and go. Yeah, go to Amazon. Uh, you can have the book on Monday.
1: Yeah, it's on Amazon. Just put in the uh, the sixth family. You can either write it out sixth, or you can put six with a th. It'll get you to the book. You have a choice at this point of uh, of a regular book or an ebook, depending on what you want. Uh, Gianni is now in the process of doing the audio book, right? Uh, as he did it's the audio book, weeks. Yeah, yeah. He Gianni read the audio book for the for the first book and did a phenomenal job. Uh, what we're trying to do by doing this ourselves, doing the audio book ourselves, you know, uh, the audio book business is huge, very very big, and they charge uh particularly audible.com is the biggest name in the business they charge a premium price for audiobooks now a book our size in print at 300 I think 336 pages I think it is uh, would command the price of about 30 dollars now we I find that obscene uh you know with you know we care about our listeners we care about our readers so we decided to do it with All the professional equipment there is, I'm just going to say, just like any other audio book, obviously a different story. But we're drastically, drastically lowering the price of that audio book because it's all about the readers.
0: And And the more, more, as you can tell, we are currently recording our 200th hour of broadcastable podcast. Why shouldn't we just do it? And you guys. Get, get the compensation for by getting yeah a, we're here for we're
1: affordable here for a reasonable price yeah, yeah. and Johnny, we're here for a reason it's because of these people who are listening to this
0: hello that
1: and was. the people who bought hollywood godfather and after four years they're continuing to buy hollywood godfather which is unheard of i mean there are books out there like uh where the whether the, the 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 uh quad uh, singh saying been on the bestsellers for five years that's an anomaly. That's oh, the
0: Bible. Look at the Bible's syllabus.
1: And that's that's on the bestseller list, too. But I mean, to have a, a hardcover book out for more than a year is almost unheard of. After a year, it's out of print. We're going into year five with this.
0: Thing. And we thank you. Oh, we, yeah, we definitely. Thank you. And that's another reason we came out with the soft cover immediately, because we did the statistics. It lowers the price and we'll have a bigger audience. And why should you pay ten dollars more for the same
1: story? Exactly, and this is uh, this is a, a a mass market produced soft cover. This is a trade paperback, which is the same size as a hardcover, only with soft covers. Why why should you pay thirty dollars for that? Because this is a longer book than Hollywood Godfather*. The price would have been twenty nine ninety five for a hardcover book, and we don't want to do that. To you. Would have made us more money, but we don't want to do that to you. So we decided to go trade paperback, uh, which is the same thing with a soft cover, and uh, we lowered the price significantly to eighteen ninety five. Uh, and the, uh, and, and the, uh, the audio book will also be eighteen ninety five, whereas it would have been at least $30, probably more. Because you, you have to get producers and sound people. And, uh, Gianni is a, he can do this easily himself. And we have our producer, Mike Austin in LA, and they're doing a superlative job. When do you think this will be, uh, ready, Gianni? I think it'll be ready in two weeks. Oh, that's good because it takes time a lot of hours Once they hear the show number
0: 1 it'll probably be out that's true when this uh, is out. just uh, check, check with amazon we are i'm doing this and diligently doing it in our own studio in my own home so it's going to give me a a, a tremendous opportunity and more hours in the comfort of my own home during the winter months to read
1: <laughs> and a chance of Star Wars- to start when Chances are, if you're home, you walk a lot and get mugged in that crime-ridden city you live in. There you go. Hello. <laughs> okay, folks. Uh, time flies. You know, yeah. that's the show.
0: Two great shows. And thank you. And thank you for giving us the privilege of doing our 200th show. Because without you, we have nothing. Remember that.
1: We- anyway, those also, we have to say, those of you who live in Australia... Uh, We did an interview a little while ago and Gianni will be doing another interview on the, on, on the radio uh, later. So check that out. That's where you live.
0: All right. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Pat. Okay. Good night, Gianni. Good night. God bless.
0: And that was that.
1: Thank you for tuning in to the Hollywood Godfather podcast. You can contact Gianni Russo or Patrick Picciarelli with your questions and comments through the contact section of our website, hollywoodgodfatherpodcast.com, which is where you can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter. You can also call and leave us a message at 646-776-3038. Remember to follow us on Instagram at Hollywood Godfather and on Facebook, as well as leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'd like to know what you like about what we're doing, what you'd like to hear in the future, and anything else you might suggest to improve our podcast. Most importantly, hit the subscribe button. We'll be back next week with stories of
0: the mob and Hollywood, as I well as answers the to your messages. My kids still can't believe I sat with a saint. My life's like scenes out of a movie. I'm the Hollywood godfather, truly. I got stories with them all. You know, celebrities, world leaders, icons. Who knows what's next for me? I'll never get too old to have a little fun. Come on, I'm Gianni Russo. A genuine one of a kind. What a ride it's been, this life of mine. And I ain't done yet, I'll be back
1: Until next time And that was that